Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. Dr. Neil Barnard is president of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and the author of a great many books on nutrition, including his latest, Your Body in Balance, The New Science of Food, Hormones, and Health. Dr. Barnard's research, funded by the National Institutes of Health, paved the way for viewing type 2 diabetes as a potentially reversible condition for many people. In his latest study, his research team found a way to knock out menopausal hot flashes for many women using just a simple diet change. His research has also contributed to the acceptance of plant-based diets in the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. In 2015, he was named a fellow of the American College of Cardiology, and in 2016, he founded the Barnard Medical Center in Washington, D.C. as a model for making nutrition a routine part of all medical care. Find out how this acclaimed doctor chooses himself bite by bite. Dearest Dr. Neil Barnard, thank you so much for connecting with me here today. Well, it's great to be with you, Juliana. I've had the honor and pleasure of interviewing you and speaking alongside you in different media and venues over the last, I don't know, 12, 15 years, something like that. And every single time, I'm always left infused with renewed energy and optimism for the future of medicine and for humanity, and as well as a reminder of what's possible in this world. You are an extraordinarily forward-thinking, brilliant pioneer and a force to be reckoned with who keeps moving the world in a positive direction. So I'm excited to hear what you're currently uprooting and ameliorating as it's always something vital. You have this unique gift for making the most complex topics simple and accessible. And your latest book does exactly that. Your body, your, it's called Your Body in Balance, and it tackles this really broad and robust topic of hormones. And while this is a broad topic, what would you say the general overview is when it comes to the power of your plate and all of the myriad hormonal issues that people struggle with? Oh, great question. Um, the, 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 the old way of thinking about nutrition was we eat something bad day after day. And so we get a disease, we, um, we gain weight, we get a high cholesterol, we get diabetes, something like that. And so it's bad food causes a disease. But I started to discover that virtually everything in our bodies is controlled by hormones. Our thyroid hormone, which comes from your thyroid gland, is what gives you energy. If it's not working, you don't have energy. Um, estrogens and testosterone, these are hormones too. And they create all kinds of mischief for us. Um, everything that's related to reproduction and related to ovulation and menstrual changes and also menopausal changes, that's all hormones. And of course, insulin is a hormone and that's related to diabetes. It's also related to PCOS in women. The, the thing that we never realized is that while hormones are busily coordinating and adjusting all these parts of our bodies, we never realized that foods give us the instructions for how those hormones are supposed to act. So in other words, if you eat in a certain way, your insulin is gonna work better. If you eat in a certain way, your estrogen can be tamed, testosterone can be changed, all of these things can be changed. And that suddenly gives you a whole new level of control of your health. So anyhow, I got all excited about it, but it sounds really complicated. So I thought, all right, let me try to break it down for a woman who's got hot flashes that are driving her crazy or a young woman who's got menstrual pain that's driving her crazy, 
or a guy who is in line at the fertility center because his reproductive health is no good or somebody whose diabetes is out of control. In every single case, it's hormones that we're going to tackle and we're going to dial them up, dial them down with food. So more specifically then, you delve into all of these issues that I constantly see with clients over the years, what you just said, thyroid, infertility, polycystic ovary syndrome, premenstrual syndrome, endometriosis, all of these, even the hormonally related cancers. So how do you recommend using tools that are not pills, potions, and procedures to address, address some of these issues? The, I'll tell you, there's one we've been, well, maybe start with diabetes, uh, which is one where that really showed the tremendous power that we have to control a hormone, that the hormone, of course, is insulin. And your average person thinks, got out of the clinic, they said, I got diabetes, that means I got a high blood sugar, so I shouldn't be eating sugar anymore. And unfortunately, if that's what you do, you'll never get rid of your diabetes, because that's just a symptom, that's not the cause. And we have to take about 90 seconds in our clinic to describe to the patient how they got diabetes and then their eyes open up. And what we're explaining is that the insulin in their body, it, it normally comes out of the pancreas, it arrives at your cells and it acts like a key to let the sugar into the cell. So if you eat an apple or a piece of bread, the natural sugars in those foods can go into your muscle cells for energy or go into your liver cells for energy. And if your blood sugar is rising, that means somehow insulin isn't working. Why not? Really simple. Fat has built up inside your cells. Fat from a ham sandwich or from, you know, a steak. The fat from those foods gets stuffed inside your cells and that stops insulin from working. That's insulin resistance. And the patient says, wait a minute, it's that simple? The fatty junk I've been eating is clogging up my cells so insulin doesn't work? And the answer is, yeah. So what's the answer? The answer is, let's say I don't eat any animal fat at all. I'm going to be a vegan for the next month. There's no animal fat in my diet. If I keep vegetable oils really low too, and if I look at Juliana Hever's book, I'm going to know how exactly to do this because she's got great recipes for me. If I, if I do all this, then the fat starts coming out of your cells and insulin starts working again. So I've, I've rehabilitated um, my insulin. It's not working. My diabetes is improving. It may even go away. Um, and if we switch from that to, say, looking at estrogens, it's another hormone. But for a lot of women, when they're about 50, uh, the changes in estrogen lead to really disturbing symptoms. Not everybody, but for, for many women, they have hot flashes that drive them crazy. So every couple hours at night, it suddenly feels like it's 150 degrees and you break out in a sweat and you throw off the, the covers and, and, and you never get a good night's sleep. And it can happen during the day when you're in a board meeting or in an interview and you, for the next couple of minutes, you're just burning up. Uh, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, I don't know what causes it, but I, I'll give you hormones and that'll knock it out. And of course, the hormones have warnings on them, warnings about breast cancer or endometrial cancer or blood clots or myocardial infarctions or increased risk of dementia. And you think, I'm not sure I want to take these hormones. In fact, it's scary. Uh, for every 25 women who come to a medical clinic and get hormones, who, who, who actually stay on those hormones for 10 years or more, one of those 25 women is going to get breast cancer that that doctor actually caused Wow. the hormones. So we have been looking at how I can control that with food. And we hit on a, a combination that is the same diet I just mentioned for diabetes, vegan, low fat, plus we had a half a cup of non-GMO soybeans. And the reason that we started doing that is that history shows that in Japan, before Westernization, when they were eating a mostly plant-based diet, 
along with soy products, they had virtually no hot flashes, very little, maybe 15% of women had them and they were mild. And we found in a randomized trial that we just published in the journal Menopause, that we could knock out the moderate to severe hot flashes by 84%. Um, and the average woman lost eight pounds, their GERD went away, you know, indigestion went away. They just felt really powerful. Uh, like you can suddenly control what's going on in your body without having to take a prescription down to the drugstore and risk all those side effects. So those are just a couple of examples. Diabetes, can it be reversed? Absolutely. It can be improved and sometimes it goes away. Hot flashes, can they go away? They usually do. Uh, they, to a great degree, uh, menstrual pain, many other things. We found how to dial up or down the hormones, fix the problem, and the patient feels great because A, their problem has gone away or, or, or really improved. B, they suddenly realize that you can control things that you thought you could never control before. You even dig into the science of, I mean, it's just so much different than these very serious issues, but you talk about even healthy skin and hair and mood and stress and sleep and all of these, how they're impacted by hormones. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that? You know, so many, it kind of starts out in adolescence. Um, kids 15, spots all over his face or her face. Go to the doctor and the doctor says, I'll give you antibiotics and the antibiotics help, sort of. Um, and they're on them day after day, week after week, month after month. They're worried about what am I doing to my body? Um, because it, needless to say, you're putting things down into your gut that are killing off your microbiome. And the doctor says, well, but science shows it works. What will stop? Wait a minute. Researchers have looked at the big picture and found that in certain cultures, acne is not a very big thing, or maybe it's not a thing at all. And as you, you, you're aware, Juliana, a Harvard researcher started tracking down the role of dairy. And they found that in countries where dairy products are not consumed, acne was generally really pretty rare. You think, well, how could that be? Um, what we think is going on in this case, it's probably not the protein. It is probably the fact that, the, or I'm sorry, it's probably not, not just the cholesterol and the fat, the usual things. It's probably either a reaction, almost a... Um, what I can call sort of a allergic reaction or a sensitivity to the protein or a hormonal effect. We used to think of dairy products as innocuous. We now realize that the estrogen traces that are in them are not innocuous. That they, it's, uh, we're talking about estradiol in particular, it comes out of the cow, it gets in the milk, concentrated in cheese, yogurt, other things. And when girls and boys avoid that, in many cases, their acne improves. So I don't ask people to take any of this on faith. You just try it. So let's say you've got acne. Let's say you've got diabetes, other things. Let's take four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. Let's follow the kind of diet that ought to control that hormonal issue. Let's see how we do. Yes. I was one of those test patients many years ago. I struggled with acne my whole life. Every other pill potion and everything and nothing worked until I cut out dairy and went plant-based. It's amazing. So, okay, this is a good segue. You have published a plethora of peer-reviewed scientific papers as well as books on not only hormones, but reversing, actually reversing diabetes. You've shown this in the literature. Weight loss, brain health, pain, so many more extraordinary topics. And what's so fascinating, and it keeps coming up here, is that the solution is very much the same. It's just eat plants. So would you want to elaborate on like perhaps some of the mechanisms or hypotheses on how this really is a one-size-fits-all approach to optimal health? 
Well, you know, if, let's say you go to the gas station and you say to the, to the, the guy who's running the garage, you say, my, my car's not working. I don't know what it is. So the acceleration is terrible. And you look at the exhaust. It just comes out there. The exhaust is all black and the ride is really rough and my mileage, nothing's working right. And so the, the mechanic says, so, well, let's start with uh, what kind of fuel are you using? And you say, well, it's, this is a diesel. So I've been putting in diesel. The mechanic says, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> this is not a diesel car. This car takes unleaded. Really? You put in unleaded and you find that it, your mileage gets better. The exhaust gets better. The ride is better. All kinds of things are better. Your body's the same way. Your body is not, you, you're not a cat. Now your cat can eat meat all day long and do fine and is not going to get atherosclerosis, for example. But when we primates start to eat like a carnivore, many things happen. Um, we get all we we get hormonal issues, high cholesterol levels. Our weight uh, regulation is much more difficult. Our digestion is not good, and the microbiome, your gut bacteria, act up because they're not being nourished either. So, so the, the reason, the point I'm making is from one mistake, and that's putting the wrong fuel in the system, you see many, many things go wrong. But it's sometimes for different reasons. Um, if I'm eating meat, which I'm going to say the human body is not really designed for. If I eat meat, the cholesterol and saturated fat, that's what raises my blood cholesterol. But the same fat then enters my muscle and liver cells and causes insulin resistance. And because meat doesn't have any fiber in it, I can't eliminate excess estrogens the way that I could if I had more fiber in my diet. So if I'm a woman and I'm having menstrual pain every month, part of the reason is I'm on a, on a really low fiber diet. And if a person is constipated, that's again, the lack of fiber. Um, the high risk, higher risk of breast cancer, we believe is partly driven by the estrogens that are in dairy. So it's, it's many reasons why these foods are really not good for us. Uh, but it happens, they always tend to point to the same foods. Nobody ever showed that broccoli is, is going to cause poison or strawberries or apples or these kinds of things. Um, it's, there, there are many, many reasons why the animal products are not hot for us. So all this begs the question really, like how do you define a healthy, well-balanced diet? Um, four groups, fruit, then vegetables, the whole legume group, that's beans and peas and lentils, and finally whole grains. And I think you can define that any way that you want, but those are sort of my four essentials. So if I come from an Asian cuisine, I might have it be a little grain heavy. So more rice, for example. But maybe I live in the tropics and I want to have it be a little more fruit heavy. It doesn't really matter how you interpret it. But those are the four groups. You should supplement vitamin B12. And if you do that, you are miles ahead. Now, there's some people who will say, well, you're being awfully permissive because I can have spaghetti, white spaghetti, with some tomato sauce out of a can. And easiest thing in the world. And you know what? The answer is yes, you can. If what you're eating right now is spaghetti with meat sauce and you switch to spaghetti with tomato sauce, or if you're having the meat chili and you switch to the bean chili, if that's what you do and you do that consistently, you're doing great. However, yeah. you might want to do some additional steps like get away from more refined foods, have more unrefined, more raw, but that's for extra credit. Getting the animals off your plate is a huge step forward. I love that extra credit. <laughs> You also touch in this book about, and you've talked about it in other books and papers on toxins and chemicals as well, like BPA and phthalates and pesticides. 
and this, you know, vis-a-vis hormones and brain health, but other things. And, you know, we live in this environment where we are surrounded by these compounds in our water, our food, our air. What are your, some of your suggestions to protect ourselves? You know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to living f- as, as simply as we can. Um, and I hate to say that really, because I'm a person, I believe in total convenience. This is modern life and I don't want to have to cut off all the advantages of civilization. However, when somebody else packs up our food for us um, and they put it in a can, and the can is lined with BPA or something like that, some of that might get in your food. Um, and the more we're eating foods that are sort of minimally processed and there's sort of one or two ingredients in them, the better off we're going to be. Um, and that does allow us to avoid a lot of the chemicals that are there. Um, going organic. Should you go organic? The answer is absolutely. Will it cost more? It might. Is it worth it? No question. Uh, your choice about or- to organic or non-organic is, do you want food with extra chemicals or not? The answer is, no, I don't. Uh, there are times when organic is not available, in which case vegetables and fruits are better than not having vegetables and fruits. But if you make those simple choices, um, get the organic ones, you, you've knocked off a great many of the chemicals that would otherwise be in your, in your uh, environment. Yes. And I, I always find it ironic because I get this question all the time. I'm sure you do too. People being so soy phobic and afraid of soy's hormones and like actual hormones <laughs> in dairy, people are not afraid of. And should be. Absolutely. With no question about it. The, the, the soy question is a funny one. It's been sort of this urban myth that that's, could soy cause breast cancer is the way that it's phrased. Um, and it, it's, it started out in an understandable way because there are iso, what are called isoflavones. They're in, they're in soy. Uh, they're in many other foods, but especially soy. And they do attach to estrogenic receptors on cells. So that led people to think, oh my God, what are they going to do? They're going to cause cancer. But they don't. Uh, researchers by about 2008 were very convinced that the opposite was true. The women consuming the most soy had about 30% less risk of breast cancer. So there, there was something going on, but it wasn't creating cancer. It was doing quite the opposite. And that's around the time when we put two and two together. There are two different categories of receptors, of estrogen receptors. There's the alpha receptor. You can think of that as the gas pedal on cancer. Um, the more, the more you stimulate that, the more trouble you're going to be in. That's not where the isoflavones go. They go to the beta receptor. The beta receptor, you can think of as, this is a little simplistic, but think of it as the brake. So on, in my car, if I put my foot down hard, whether I go fast or stop abruptly depends on whether my foot is three inches to the right or three inches to the left. If I had the gas pedal, I go. If I had the brake, I stop. And you have alpha receptors and beta receptors for estrogens. And the ones that the doctor gives you for hot flashes, hit them both. And that's why they're linked to breast cancer, the soy isoflavones of the beta. And they're linked to reducing breast cancer risk and also reducing breast cancer mortality in women who had breast cancer in the past. We no longer recommend that people avoid soy at all. In fact, to reduce cancer risk and increase cancer survival. We encourage women to include soy products in their routine. They don't have to, but it's a good idea. Yeah. I just, right before we got on this call, I just was marinating some tofu for my teenage daughter. 
<laughs> She's lucky to have you for a mom. <laughs> Thanks. She doesn't. Yeah, I'll have you talk to her. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So let's talk a little bit about, oh, actually, this is a good segue. I kind of wanted to ask you this. I remember many years ago, we were speaking at this conference together. It was like the first inaugural conference and I had some time alone with you. And I don't know why, because I don't usually do this, but I was so curious what you eat in a day. And I remember that you said you always start the day out with tofu. And I just wanted to know how your meal has evolved. If you don't mind talking a little bit about like, what's a day in a life of Dr. Neil Barnard? No, I haven't evolved at all, Julianne. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, it, it's funny. Sometimes I'll uh, be asked this by a, a newspaper or a, a radio, or what I'm going to call like a, a mainstream mediator omnivore of a, a radio station. They'll say, what do you eat in a day? And I kind of want to say, Oh, I start out with some pancakes and syrup because it sounds more normal. To, if I say I <laughs> eat tofu and broccoli for breakfast, they'll think I'm kind of kooky. But but it's true. I, I, I'll confess that what I have virtually every day, I just evolved into it and it makes me feel energetic and good is I have a little bit of tofu. And what I do, it's I'll get like an extra firm tofu. I'll stick it in a nonstick pan and just grill it on both sides. And then I sprinkle on a little ginger and a little soy sauce and a little nutritional yeast. And I eat that. And I just, that's... I like it. Now, if you want, you can make tempeh. You just marinate it in a little soy sauce, throw it in a nonstick pan. And I cook up a big batch of both of them. So in the morning, I can just zap it in the microwave and in 20 seconds, I got breakfast. And then I'll have some kind of green vegetable, either broccoli or kale or collards or Brussels sprouts or, or something like that. And I'll usually put some brags on top or some vinegar um, because that turns it into candy. <laughs> and once once I've got that down, then I want some kind of grain, which would be old fashioned oatmeal would be pretty typical. Um, and that's it. And I, I've, I've been doing that all the time. And I know to, to, to people who are new to this, it sounds totally nuts. But um, if you analyzed it, it's protein, it's calcium, it's good complex carbohydrates. So if you want to run a 5K right afterwards, you can. Um, zero uh, animal fat, zero cholesterol, virtually zero saturated fat. Um, high in fiber. It's, it, it just gives you what you need. And somehow your brain starts to want to eat that way. So that's what it is. Yes. Oh my gosh. It sounds so good to me. And I think the reason I asked you is because you are such the, you know, the pinnacle of, of how we should eat. And I just, I loved your answer and thank you for sharing that here again. Uh, so what I, what we talk about here on the show is what how do you choose you besides having this super nutritious, delicious sounding breakfast? How do you personally take care of you so that you can be this voice for the world? You have been done so much. How do you take care of you? Not necessarily very well. I mean, I mean <laughs> you know, I mean, let's face it, this is modern life. And because I'm running the physicians committee, there's a lot of bad stuff that we're, that we're coping with. That we're trying to change. Uh, people are on not very good diets. Um, this leads to dispar disparities in diabetes and cancer risk. And even in the best of times, um, these are huge challenges. We're arm wrestling with hospitals now to, to have healthier food. And so uh, we also have a whole part of our work that deals with unethical research practices that we seek to, to end. So, so I don't want to kid you. I mean, this is not a peaceful life. Um, this is a lot of work and a lot of stress, but you're no good if you are totally stressed out and unhealthy and can't function. So um, I eat in a healthy way. Um, I don't get into junk too much, really. It's not my thing. Um, and what I told you I eat for breakfast is true. Um, and I try to lace up my sneakers every now and then and, and go for a good run. Um, 
I'm not a natural great athlete, not like you, Juliana, but I'm, um, I do, do get my heart pumping and take care of myself. And I do have a rule. 10 o'clock at night, no matter how good the book is that I'm reading or, or how urgent the report is, I go to sleep at 10 o'clock. And if I have to get up at 4 or 4.30 something to, to finish, I will. But that keeps my brain more solid. And then, you know, have a little bit of fun. You know, don't torture yourself. Have things that you do that give you pleasure. See people that you want to be with. Um, if you have a creative outlet, knock yourself out with that. Don't neglect that part of your, you know, it's you got to brush your teeth and wash, wash your socks. You got to have fun too. So that's kind, of, that's kind of what I've been doing. I love that. And I don't know if you mind me sharing, but your music, many people don't know that you're a very talented musician. Is that one way that you choose yourself? Uh, it, yeah, I think so. I, it's a funny thing. I, that was a big part of my life way before I got into medicine. When I was a kid, I grew up in North Dakota and my, my parents had the idea that every civilized young person had to play the piano. Um, and so from the littlest age, I was sort of like chained to this keyboard. And then we added cello when I was a little bit uh, older than that. And, and so that was always part of my life. And I have a band now called Carbon Works that um, you'll see us on YouTube if you go to the Carbon Works channel. Um, I work with really fun people and really smart uh, musicians from all around the world. And, and the music is lots of fun. So I, I write it and I arrange it and, and play a couple of the instruments and, and you have a chance to work with fun people. Yes, you're amazing. I, I love your music too. So, all right. So tell us where everyone could find you because you have an encyclopedia of resources available online. And for anyone that's interested or plant curious or wants to know why, you have it all right there. So can you share where's the best place to, to find you? Oh, sure. Well, thank you. Um, uh, our main website here at the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine is pcrm.org. And you'll see lots of information there. If you look at our events page, we have lots and lots of free classes. And I hope people will look at that. We have an, a big new event coming up called One Healthy World, where we have uh, free classes in going plant-based in English, Spanish, Mandarin, French, and a special program for people from India, all happening at the same time. It's mind-blowing, but it's really, really, really fun. Um, and my books are on Amazon. Uh, Your Body and Balance is the most recent one. And I always say if there's a bookstore in your neighborhood that hasn't shuttered itself yet and still is welcoming in customers, oh. <laughs> they'd, they'd appreciate your business too. Uh, Dr. Neil Barnard, I can't thank you enough for everything, all of your work and for sharing here today. Thank you. Sure. Well, thank you, Juliana. It's wonderful to talk to you again. Always so inspiring to listen to Dr. Neil Barnard. And I really am going to try his Breakfast of Champions <laughs> If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, become a member of our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash choose you now, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash choose you now to have access to exclusive content. Please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.